Welcome to the Run Strong Podcast, episode 116. Rob Jones, I'm late. I apologize. You are, because uh, you're getting too swole. <laughs> Wrote myself a little strength session. Turned out to be an hour and 10 minutes, not the 45 I had planned. <laughs> I came in, you're still mid-rep. Mid-heavy, slow repetitions. That's the problem. You don't account for the time of the reps. Oh, I didn't account. Should have really. Rookie mistake. Rookie, rookie mistake. Anyway, you're here. We're here. We're back, as always. As always, 116 shows in, still getting it wrong. <laughs> hey, how was uh, your ultra camp on the weekend? Oh, really good. It was, uh, yeah, I, I in my head, I thought maybe it was perhaps a bit too easy. But then I went and I sent out some messages to the guys that were there and said, how are you feeling today? And their legs are pretty cooked. So I think we we probably got it about right. It was mountains though, wasn't it? It was mountains. Yeah. So at the time you feel good, but it's that there's two days of back to back, you know, a thousand meters, 1200 meters of climbing when you're not that used to it. You can get away with doing one day, but two days is, is tough. tough Especially yeah. running downhill, the eccentric stuff really takes its toll. And the people there, they're doing, um, what sort of races are they training for? It's a good mixture. Actually, there's some people that are doing UTMB. <clears throat> there's uh the most well the closest race is the utmb styria in croatia there's 128 kilometers and 168 i think the full distances they're the closest races and actually oh sam is doing ultra x sri lanka which is flat <laughs> so did he do he still went to the hill hilly he camp the hill. just for Looked at it and then uh, kept going down the wadi a bit more. <laughs> Fair enough. Ah, so a real mix, a real mix mm, yeah, of people there. It's very good. Did you miss running around Al Qudra at the Al Mamun? No, I did not at all. Actually, I took the mountain bike out and we went up to the top of Jebel Yabir, mm. which is one hell of a climb. You are new to the mountain bike club, which is mm. nice to say. New, 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 new. Welcome. Um, it needs more gears. <laughs> Really? More, please. More, please. More no, gears. There's, there's a lot of big ring at the back. Yes, granny gears. Mm-hmm, exactly. Anyway, that's cycling. We're running. Sorry, run strong. Run strong, podcast. Run strong, podcast. Strong. Run strong, run strong, run strong. What Excellent. did you do the weekend? You did a brick, right? We, we bricked, which is something called triathlon uh, without the swim. You may have heard of that. Uh, so we had because we've got guys doing Oman 70.3 and Dubai 70.3. Mm-hmm. Uh, we did a, a 70.3 simulation day. So it was actually a 50K ride because our Kudra Loop is 50K, which is pretty perfect for that. Um, and then they did a 16K, or most people did a 16K brick run off the back of it, all at 70.3 power and pace. And it's perfect. a great chance for them to to dial in kit, nutrition, uh, mindset, you name it. It was a very good morning. Good weekend all around, it seems then. Yes. And then, yeah, coffee run yesterday. We had about, well, I think we were just into double figures. A few people were obviously at the ultra camp. A few had done the brick session. And then our other our runners who are, you say, just doing, or maybe um, we don't give them enough credit because people are doing always crazy things in the show. But our core running group who are doing rack half marathon, which will be epic this coming weekend uh, headed out for their last easy long run mm. which was 18 k's yeah and actually we should probably mention right because we have what did we say 56 athletes we think mm. yeah or it's no less but it's it might be more it could be more yeah it's incredible which is yeah that's a I'm a bit nervous about how i meant to go for all these people <laughs> you need two memory cards mate and maybe two batteries I mean, we're, if everyone gets one second, this is what I'm thinking. If everyone, I can film everyone for just one second, then that would be the greatest reel in under 60 seconds. That'd be incredible. Imagine the admin behind setting that up. Well, Skinny will do that. Don't worry. <laughs> Stitch him right up. <laughs> and you're, you're not running, mate, right? I'm not running. I'll be out and about on the course, uh, shouting encouragement at people and trying to get your face ready for this reel that I've just decided I'm, I'm going to try and do. <laughs> And what's your reason for not running? I think you were. No, I never was actually. No, uh, I wasn't done to do this one. There nope. we go. You got FOMO yet? Nope. <laughs> don't fancy a half marathon? I don't, I don't fancy it. I don't know why. I just don't fancy it this year. Just don't fancy it. 
Interesting. Well, today's show is all about half marathons. It is about half marathons. Actually, I want to ask you a question, first of all. You put something on your story. It was yesterday because you were at the coffee run. Which was was Sunday. This comes out on a Wednesday, recording on a Monday. So you're speaking about Sunday. So your Sunday long run, you ran 20 kilometers. I I might butcher the pace here, but it was about 5.03 per kilometer. 20.1, 20.9 Ks. I even said to when I stopped to Jack, I said, 20.9, that's going to annoy me. And now it is. (laughs) Not the, yeah, okay, fair enough. Anyway, but you did it fasted. And what many people run fasted runs, that's not the interesting thing here. But what was interesting is that your blood glucose, which is the bit you're trying to highlight, Mm. was stable throughout this entire run. Correct. Normally, you would probably say to people, if you're going to run a half marathon, you should run it with some fueling. I would agree. So talk to us about it. Why did you not fuel it? How did your blood glucose stay stable? Fill us in. Okay. Here comes the long version. A lot of people say long story short, and then they end up talking for a while. I'm going to tell you now, this will be a long story. Um, so I am training for Ironman South Africa, which involves a marathon. And obviously to run a marathon at the end of uh, swimming, basically 4K and riding 180, uh, you need to be pretty efficient with how you fuel, yes, and also what your body uses as a substrate to energize itself. So I obviously want to be uh, fueling with glucose, but I also want to predominantly be taking energy from the source of fat and oxygen. Because if I only use glucose, I'll probably be bonked after about, three, four hours. Mm -hmm. So I've been running a lot of tempo runs lately, which if you watch my stories, you'll have seen there was basically Sunday was a tempo run track. Tuesday is a threshold run. And then Thursday is also a tempo run. And so I have probably the last four or five weeks, haven't really done any easy long running. And I wanted to make, I wanted to check in whether I was still what I call for a simpler term, um, metabolically fit. So that's basically, is your body using fat as fuel at easier intensities? And then obviously I know I'm using glucose as fuel as harder intensities because I've been doing a lot of that, but I wanted to know, is my easy still, uh, am I still efficient running at easy level? So I took two gels with me as an emergency. Um, but I did run it faster, just had water and uh, black coffee and some amino acids before I started. Um, which don't make a difference to glucose levels. And then I did, I ran 21K or 20.9K, an hour and 45. So just over five minutes per K pace and kept it very, very easy. And then I didn't actually look throughout the run. I just went all on feel. And then afterwards, you could see from my Super Sapiens data that I had very little, if none, uh, no fluctuation in my blood glucose levels. So what that shows is that I've not used a lot uh, or I'm not predominantly using glucose as my fuel source there because if I was, you'd see it dip and you'd see it rise. Um, you, you see glucose rise before you see it dip because the body puts glucose into the blood from your stored glycogen in your muscle and also stored glycogen into your, in, from your liver. So you'll see a spike and then you'll see a dip because obviously your body is then using that glucose and then your, your blood glucose starts to drop. I had none of that. So it was a perfect slope, they say. So um, it didn't slope down and it didn't slope up. It just kept level the whole time. So you can then say, yes, Tom is using fat and oxygen as his predominant fuel source. And obviously you always use a little bit of glucose, but not enough that my body couldn't keep up with uh, letting it out of the muscle or needing to, to top it up. Uh, while I was running in order to get blood glucose back up onto a level line. So then you can say that I am uh, metabolically uh, fit and that I'm in a good place in terms of my aerobic fitness and um, making sure that my easy, so my heart rate zone was zone two, my pace zone was probably more like zone one, Um, but we started at 7.30, so it's a little bit warm. So that's, you'd you'd normally see that little bit of drift there. Um, and yeah, I, I know I don't need to stress about doing long, easy runs. Now I can keep going on my, on my tempo bus because I'm seeing good, good gains there. Perfect. Now question. Hi, that's on a run. You've come into it. You're rested. They say 
it's it's fine you're in the fat burning zone if you like how will that change post swim post cycle and what would be the difference yeah so obviously you're swimming is very fast twitch because you're using your full body and you're also using a lot more upper body and you're pulling hard through the water so you actually um especially in an ironman you you can't fuel while you're swimming right and you're probably going to be in the water anywhere from 50 minutes if you're a fast swimmer to an hour and 20 if you're a slower swimmer so let's say for me it's going to be around the hour mark um so i know when i come out of the swim the first half of my bike is refueling mm -hmm. more or less uh and so i take on you know quite high um carbohydrate i'm between i'm just i sit just under 70 grams of carbs an hour on the bike and then the second half of the bike is about fueling for the run so i'm working at, at a tempo so the, the fitter you are the harder you can race an ironman and so i'll be aiming to hold around tempo watts on the on the bike for ironman so i need to be fueling that because i'm taking a considerable amount of glucose um to to fuel myself and you can only store anywhere from a thousand to two thousand calories of glucose and i'll probably do that i'll go through easily go through a thousand calories in like an hour to an hour and a half so if i don't fuel the bike i'll be able to hold the power for about an hour and a half and then it would slowly drop off back into your lower zones which i don't want so the second half of the bike i'll be fueling to make sure that my stores are fully topped up ready to do the run and then the run is also going to be more or less a low tempo a low tempo run but because you've been exercising for let's say seven eight hours you're going to get heart rate drift because it's just a cardiovascular strain you can't avoid when you're exercising for that long so your heart rate is likely to be up nearer to high zone three and pace will be um, low zone three and so your higher heart rate is what's costing you uh, metabolically while running so you have to be fueling that even though you you might not feel the paces so fast that like i just shown on a on an empty stomach on a, on a very easy run i don't need to fuel it but even if my heart rate was super high and I was at that pace, I'd still need to fuel it because your heart rate is dictating what's happening with your metabolism. So that, that's why it's a lot different is people say, oh, well, I'm doing Ironman and I'm going to keep it in zone two because my plan is just to finish. So therefore I don't need to worry about fueling, but it's like, no, you still do because the compounding effect of fatigue as the Ironman goes on. And then also because you're, you have to get over the fact that you've just done an hour or an hour and 20, hour and 30 swimming, you need to be refueling from that and then thinking, okay, I'm now going to bike for another, what, three hours um, after you've finished the first two hours of fueling. And then I'm going to run anywhere up to four or five hours. Even if you are holding zone two, you're still catching up from everything that you've done and what you've got to come. One more question for you then. So that was a fasted aerobic, if you like, yeah, zone two run. Are you doing the same thing for your faster sessions i know you've mentioned tempo before you said you had a gel beforehand and you had a gel during the tempo session when we talked about it a few weeks ago what about your yeah. speed sessions so your tuesday sessions um i make sure i eat a lot the night before yeah um but quite early on in the day so like today so track tuesday is tomorrow so today lunchtime i'll eat big lunch um i'll eat a lot of sushi rice and um like some salmon or something like that that i know i'm good with and then this evening I'll eat probably the same thing, but smaller portion of it. So I know that I'm fully topped up, but I'm not going to have, cause we start early, I'm not yeah. going to have a bad stomach in the morning. Um, so that's really important that you start to fuel the day before. And I, I'm also like, I'll, I hydrate well every day, but even more so before a, a hard track session. And then tomorrow morning, because I'm coaching, um, the session and I'm running afterwards, I will drink a carbohydrate drink, the precision uh, hydration and fueling 30 gram carb drink i'll drink that in the 90 minutes prior to starting the session because i know from my blood glucose data that that doesn't spike my blood glucose so it means that i'm getting glucose in without spiking my blood sugar which means it's getting stored mm -hmm. so i will drink that and then i'll do the session and i won't have anything in the session and the session will probably be about an hour to an hour and 10 it's 10 by 800 tomorrow and then post track session I will eat uh, straight away like some oats and uh, have a protein shake and not too much because then I'll go straight to the pool. But I will refuel immediately after it because you've been topping up again. You've been draining your stores during. 
Okay, perfect. It's very clear. Excellent. Excellent. That's not even Q and A. No, <laughs> I, just you, know you asking I wrote, questions. I wrote this question down. I thought about this during Coach the Coach today. I was like, mm, I want people to wonder that because we we had we actually been following your super sapien story for the last mm. couple of weeks. So I think it's interesting for people to know. It is interesting, and it, and it this is why super sapiens is so powerful because it's <clears> so different for everyone. Well, this is it. So yeah, what works for you doesn't work for everyone else. So you should all go and get yourself tested. Mm. Yeah, when it arrives here in the UAE, unfortunately. Definitely. Should we do some questions? Let's do questions. We haven't done one of these in a while. Okay. No. Uh, I've got the questions written down, actually. So I'll, I'll read them out. You have them. Let's do it. Chip in. So question one. I have recently completed my race goal. How do I decide what's next? Sounds like a Project DXP person. <laughs> this is a good question. Um, I have some thoughts on this. So presumably if you had a race goal and you've completed it, you took time to think about your race goal. You probably had a process. You thought about what you wanted to achieve, what would satisfy you, what would be challenging. I would almost then think to repeat that process, but maybe the goalposts have now moved. So you've got to decide maybe your, well, maybe your race goal was a, for example, a marathon. So maybe you want to push to an ultra, or maybe you want to go for a faster marathon. I would almost go back to the square one again. Think about your why, what you want to achieve, and then aim for a race based on that. I like it. What about you? What would you do? It's so tricky because everyone is so different. Yeah. Um, I think... I think it's a good chance to figure out more about yourself. Mm -hmm. So find out whether you're training and racing for an extrinsic reason or for an intrinsic reason. So are you doing it for the case of getting accolades or uh, to impress others, or are you doing it because you've got something like inside you that, that means that you have to race and have to see how much you can push and, and see what you're really made of. And then again, some people who are like intrinsically motivated, you could then say, well, why do you need a race? But they need it because a race helps them get the best from themselves mm -hmm. and it gives them a deadline to work towards. And in which case you want to look for a race that you feel is going to really challenge you and that you're, you're kind of doing it because you, you're getting nervous when you think about it, like, oh, could I do that at that race? But if you're doing it because you want the medal or you want the, I don't know, your, your, your name next to a time or anything like that, then it's a good chance to really figure out like why that is and to then pick out races that you're going to have fun with. Mm. Otherwise, I think you're going to get yourself into a bit of a mess in terms of like the pressure that you're going to put on yourself. So I would figure out where you rely along the timeline of intrinsic and extrinsic and both are okay. Like I don't have an issue with either. I know that one will keep you in the sport longer and that is being intrinsically motivated. And one will keep you maybe a little bit happier for a shorter period of time, which is extrinsically being motivated. Um, but eventually like you, either one has their own issues that you're going to run into, but you're more likely to run into problems if you're extrinsically motivated. And, and we saw that a lot during COVID times mm. when that hit. But if you are that way, like, you know, you want to go for the medal or you want to go for your time next to your name, then it's a really good, it can be a very fun process because you have such a clear goal that you want to do. Um, but you've got to stay on your course and stay on your track. And that's where a coach can come in and, and really help you with that. And then if you're intrinsically motivated, you stand in a position of, of huge power because you don't actually need a race. You can literally put your finger on the map anywhere in the world and say, I'm just going to go and run something there and like have loads of fun with it. And yeah, I would not rush into another goal straight away. I'd take at least a week to really figure mm. out where you, where you stand. And yeah, it's, it's tricky. I've never struggled too much with deciding what's next, but I've you know, had a lot of clients who have. Um, and another good question is to ask your fellow peers, ask your coach, ask your, ask your friends around you who train, like, what do you think I should do next? Because they might have some ideas that you hadn't thought of. 
Yeah. I um actually I had a meeting whilst you're doing your strength session just before mm. this podcast. And a question I asked was what when you see yourself or when you visualize yourself running, where are you? What are you doing? Because mm. you know, if it's on a tarmac or it's pounding the, the beach track or if it's on a road, then you're probably maybe your goal should be road oriented. But if you're out in nature and out in the mountains or out in the desert, then maybe that should be a focus for your goal. Um, Love that. It was interesting. Yeah. I got an interesting response back. And that was actually where the conversation went. And lots of words that came up was exploring, learning about myself, learning about my body, being free, nature. Those are all key buzzwords that I picked up from the answer. So I thought, well, actually, based on that, a road run or a road race isn't probably going to fulfill you. It's going to have to be something out maybe in the mountains or the, the trails. And then I also think, something that quite a lot of people do in the Middle East, because we have such a huge race calendar, people just sign up for things without really having them as a goal, just they'd sign up for the sake of it. Mm. And so they're never really going into everything, if you like, with their full focus or full motivation. Um, I agree. So perhaps it's not a goal necessarily. People say, oh, rack half marathon is my goal, but is it really your goal? Have you put in a full half marathon training block or are you just running this weekend trying to get a PB? Yeah. 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 And it, you can have uh, different stages of goals or priorities, right? So um, in training peaks, you have C goals, B goals and A goals. And, mm. you know, a lot of those are really good ideas because if you get to a, a race and it's a, only a C goal, it's a sort of a stepping stone to your bigger your bigger picture, then it's a great chance to try things. It's a great chance to experiment. It's a great chance to just, you know, leave your watch and, and just run. Um, but obviously if you're getting to your A goal, then you need to know exactly your plan and know what you're doing. Yeah. And you shouldn't let anything else sort of deter your focus. Mm. Yeah. Good. I think we answered that. Right. This actually leads on quite nicely to that. I am running rack half marathon this weekend. How do I decide how much to fuel for the race? It's a bit late. Should yeah, I was going to say this. you're buggered because <laughs> this comes out on Wednesday and the race is on Friday, uh, Saturday. You've got oh. a lot of time to test. Maybe you could refine what you're doing. Yeah, I think uh, it's, it's again very important to be fueling in the days before. Mm. So not because you might be training less because if you're a taper, that doesn't mean you eat less. No. If, you, if you remain to eat the same meals, I'm talking now, not necessarily snacks, but good quality, um, you know, split macro meals then you're going to make sure your, your energy stores are topped up really well prior to the race. So that's important. And yeah, then you don't need to be carb loading though. None of no this. You need to overeat. Compensation effect by not training, but eating the same. That's mm. almost the loading phase, if you like. Um, but then making sure on the Friday, because we're racing on Saturday, um, that you're eating less fat and fiber and mm. more starchy carbohydrates and some lean protein and that'll help your digestion ready for race day and then always preloading with hydration especially here in the UAE so I think well four liters should be your target daily and at least a liter and a half of that should be with electrolytes we obviously recommend precision hydration use code yep. one strong 22 if you want 15 percent off your first order little plug for them there um so then you get to race day and you really want to do nothing new so if you've never yeah. tried gels that they're handing out before, then don't. Uh, if you've never had, I don't know what the latest and greatest breakfast is for runners, but if you've never had it, then don't try it on that day. Uh, maybe it's a very small portion of oatmeal. Maybe it's a banana. Maybe it's a carbohydrate drink. Maybe it's nothing. Um, but you've got to do what you're normally doing before your, before your runs. And then during the race, um, a very generic answer, have have one gel every 20 minutes. That's roughly 20 grams of carbo carbohydrates every 20 minutes, 60 grams of carbohydrates every hour. So you know if your predicted time is whatever, an hour and a half, let's say, then you need to have three gels with you. Uh, sorry, four gels with you. Um, maybe even five is one is an emergency. Um, if you're going longer, then you need to think about that. If the gels are 20 grams, um, talking generically here. Um, yeah. I'll be using the precision hydration gels, 30 grams. So I only need to take three with me and I probably won't even use the last one. I suppose the caveat to that is if you should know your intensity, a half marathon is that cracking distance where you mm. can really push Yeah, and you should be on the brink 
It's, yeah. it's going to be hit or miss whether you get it right or whether you've gone too hard. It shouldn't be run easy and it shouldn't be run, if you like, in inverted commas, slowly based on your pacing. Yeah, um, you should be about 15 seconds per K slower than your 10K pace. Yeah, so it should you should be burning through the glycogen and so you it's should be hard, hard tempo low threshold yeah and obviously it builds the the, the second half you're running pretty much at threshold heart rate mm-hmm. so yeah there we go you need to fuel it more than more than a date more than a date <laughs> actually if you want performance I, if you want I performance got, yeah when i got my pb at rack must be in 2019 it was a pb half marathon at the time i was like three minutes to go, I had my first gel. So I had my first gel on the start line. So it would kick in because mm. I knew I'd be pushing that hard. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Next one. I keep getting blisters on the sides of my feet after longer runs. What can I do? I hate blisters. I used to get them all the time. And then I bought a book. I can't see it behind me, but the book's called How to Fix Your Feet. And I can't remember yeah. the author, but that's the name of the book. It's so good because it gives you all the tips and tricks. Um, and then the, the, another plug for our uh, shoe sponsor of the show. But uh, when I switched to Hoka, which is a much wider shoe, mm-hmm. I stopped getting them. So it comes down to, and this book explains it really well, it comes down to reducing shear forces. And shear forces is when you get a friction force. So um, two things rubbing on each other uh, with pressure. Um, that's a sheer either. force so you want to avoid like and a lot of people get them on their little toes or say under their under their toes and that's because you're getting force between your toe and the shoe bed down and then it's also rubbing backwards and forwards um so you want to try and avoid that and for some people uh, like the night before a run putting on um, like a foot cream or a foot lubricant and then going to sleep with it and then putting it on again before you run in the morning works um, for some, it's taping their toes. Uh, the other thing that can really help is to strengthen your feet. So you get your feet into a better position when they're in the shoe. And also uh, using insoles. We had uh, the, our man from Superfeet on, on the show last year. I look for the show now. Um, and that was really helpful because he explained what, the, like, what their insoles do and what it's made for um, to be doing. And then... Yeah, mate. What's your advice? You've done way more like ultra. Yeah, multi-stage I was going to say from the big one that jumped out for me. Well, two things that jumped out for me that I could look at. One would be shoe fit. So I know he said sides of the feet. If if your shoe doesn't fit you well, then you're going to get rub points. You're going to get blisters. You see it with guys, especially when they start to run longer, their toes, the tips of their toes, they get blisters on their toenails or they get black toenails. That's mm. not really from the distance run. It's from how well or badly your shoe fits. I haven't lost a toenail in years. Um, it's always because I always go half a size bigger for when I'm running those longer distances. So my toes have enough room to move. I don't get the blisters. Smart. I don't lose the toenails. Um, the other thing I'd look at is what type of sock you're using. Um, and the third thing I'd maybe look I'm not sure how much value this has, but how you lace your shoe can give you different fit points. So yes. it can distribute the pressure of how your shoe uh, holds onto or hugs your foot, if you like. That's uh, that's how these insoles work. Show mm. 102, super feet with Toby Hill. I found it. There we go. Um, and then the author of the book search frantically now um it's called how to fix your feet and it's by a doctor called john von hoff there you go it's on amazon 70 dirhams perfect buy the book it's so good is it yeah it even has strength routines for your feet in there oh everyone should buy this book this actually then keep with this i'm gonna go straight to the next question my physio says I have weak ankles. Mm. How can I strengthen them? You're the per- you're the ankle master. You're always rolling your ankles. <laughs> Actually, I did uh, a bulletproof trail ankle video on my Instagram. Plug for my Instagram. Um, yeah. Go and have a look at it. It's it's only two posts away. 
29 people saved it and eight people sent it on to other people. So nice. It's nice. Um, yeah, strengthening your ankles, it's actually quite straightforward. Uh, it is and it isn't. I think it isn't, isn't. The, the, ankle, the ankle itself, you can't really strengthen because it's yeah. a joint. So you have to strengthen what's around it and what's above yeah. it and what's below it. So loads of foot strength stuff is going to help with your ankles and then loads of lower leg, soleus, calf, strengthening that. So heel raises, um, heavy, slow resistance heel raises, which is what I was doing today, which is why my strength session took too long. Um, tip raises, which yeah. we've seen a lot of because knees over toe guy loves them. I love uh, those. Finding strength through range. So knee over toe um, split squats, uh, like knee to wall stuff, loaded knee to wall is really good. Um, so just bulletproofing the muscles that help to dorsiflex and plantar flex, which means toe down, toe up, um, which is what the ankle mainly does or the, what the joint is for. But then also, if you look at the ankle, it's, it's amazing how actually small the ligaments of the ankle are. Mm. And it's no wonder that we roll our feet so often or roll our ankles so often because, um, they're, we're sort of not designed to be in a stacked shoe, although it's better to be running in. Um, the minute you stack up your, your foot in a shoe, your stability is uh, compromised a lot. So once we roll over the point of no return, our ankle really isn't made to catch you in a position and stop you going over. So you're more than likely going to go over. And then it's just a case of how badly you stretch the ligaments that are surrounding the, the ankle. And they're very, very small. I don't know what people think, think of when they say, oh, I've got an ankle injury and, um, you know, damaged a ligament. Like you should be thinking of like a, like a USB lead wire, like that sort of that size maximum there. Some of them are smaller than that. And so it's very easy to damage them. And it is common that once you damage them once, they are weaker and, mm -hmm. and they're a lot easier to damage again. And then, so to fix that, you want to be doing like lots of ankle rotations. So sitting on a chair, uh, take your big toe and draw big circles with your big toe, um, doing those full range, as high range as you can. So really trying to go slow, but get the most out of the rotation of the ankle. Um, going both ways, so inwards and outwards. That's a great starting point to, to get your ankles warmed up pre-run. And then you can start to do some like loaded uh, lateral work. So uh, like even a Cossacks where you're, you're waiting, you're, you're going off to the side, um, putting weight through the ankle joint, making it work, keeping your heel down. And then uh, you can do side skipping, side steps, uh, hop jumps, lateral hop jumps, um, loads of other things and, and the last piece to the puzzle I would say is uh, adding in some plyometrics because that'll help you to use your ankles or the muscles around your ankles um, utilize those as much as possible so that your ankles are working with you and not against you I like banded stuff as well so I do yeah. like banded inversions inversions like back yeah. dorsiflexion with a band just to put a little bit more pressure Oops. yeah exactly just like if you just sit now with your leg crossed over each other and just lift your toe up, lift your toe down, lift your toe out to the left, lift your toe to the right or move your foot to the right, do circles, like anything where you feel a weakness. So for me, like an inversion movement, I can feel it in my uh, like soleus and calf. So I'm like, okay, I know I'm a little bit tight in there. So you can get in there with the ball or you know that you need to strengthen that area. You can do some inverted banded stuff like you said, mate. Um, but you you hold the key to it, right? Because you can actually feel what's going mm -hmm. on. If you've got really good um, dorsiflexion, but really bad plantar flexion, then you know where you need to work. But there's so much to the ankle that it's hard to just on. do a generic like, oh yeah, just do heel raises. Yeah. <laughs> um, what was I? I've completely lost my train of thought there. No. Oh, I know what it was. Yeah, it doesn't, you don't need to, if you like sit down and necessarily do a full ankle session like you said you can sit there right now play around with your ankle and see what feels good and what doesn't yeah see um, you're feeling. Uh, when you're home walk around barefoot mm. avoid wearing flip-flops high heels um, high heels are terrible for your ankles uh yeah try and do your easy long run in a really nice like stable wide shoe don't mm. always run in carbons uh, there's loads of advice out there but the the more passive stuff you can do it's like fixing your posture it's like okay you can do a 40 minute posture session or a 40 minute ankle session 
Um, and let's say you just do twice a week. Well, that's 80 minutes. But what are you doing constantly? Like, how is your posture constantly? And how are you treating your ankles constantly is going to make the difference. And we should be barefoot. Um, so just being barefoot around at home and things and, and avoiding shoes that compromise your foot strength and ankles is a good idea. I say as soon as I started as well, I, I changed my shoes good few years ago now to if you like the barefoot minimalist shoes that walk around day to day and as opposed to trainers. And my ankles have never been stronger, to be honest. I've never Solid. touch wood had an issue. I always say like Rob Jones, you're known for your ankle strength. It's etched into phone boxes across the nation. <laughs> oh, dear me. What's next? Next. Run form. My oh. run form is terrible. This is not me talking. Is this but a question or? <laughs> Statement. It's also etched into phone boxes across the nation. My run form is terrible. Uh, where can I start to improve it from? I keep hearing the term run tall, but I don't really understand. It's probably come from uh, an inner, well, this one hasn't come from an inner fight endurance member. It came through Instagram mm. recently, which is good. And uh, it's actually quite topical because we had Jess do her uh, run form workshop and we have the one and only Shane Benzie coming to us as well to do another run form. Mr. Workshop. Benzie's the original running with the Kenyans guy. Yeah. That's so, such a good workshop to get booked into, by the way. March 5th, mm -hmm. is it? The day after, March 6th. Um, yeah, very worth, very worthwhile getting booked into that here in Dubai at Innerfight. If you want details of that, please email endurance at innerfight.com and we can send you and tell you how to get booked up. Um, run form. Start Mate, with I, run tall. Uh, run Actually, tall. Well. Yeah. I would say the first place to start is to see yourself running. Um, so get someone to film you or film yourself on a treadmill because you've got to be able to understand visually where you're at mm -hmm. in order to know why people are saying for you to run taller and what that looks like. So normally run tall means that you're, you're bending too much of the hips and you might be looking at the floor or your chest is, uh, is facing downwards to the floor, whereas we want your hips to be extended we want them to be overextended upon takeoff because that's how we get a short stretch cycle. And we want them to be uh, extended upon landing um, because that's, a, that's where you're in a strongest position. If, your hips are, if you're bent at the hip and you land, you've got your head and your shoulders and your chest weight pulling you down towards the floor and that's going to break your form down a lot quicker. Good. Mm. Would you Anything use, else? If you were, yeah. If you were, okay, well, you are a runner, but you're a triathlete. If you were just thinking of really something really basic, you could just add into your running playbook, if you like, and really basic to start with and run form. And you, you have no idea. You're talking about hips and everything's in line. And you're like, Jesus, what the hell does that, where even are my hips? What would you start with? I A-march everywhere <laughs> at home. So like when I'm waiting for something or like, and nothing's going on i just yeah. start a marching and, and i want to lift my foot is in like full slow-mo and nothing go off balance for the whole time and as i'm lifting my knee like I'm, I'm thinking let's say i'm lifting my right knee like how stable is my left hip how tall am i like even do i sway at all so like i just a march around the place because it's such a good run drill if you can nail the a march then you're you're halfway there. There we go. And if you don't know what the A March is, look it up. <laughs> Good advice. We, we we used to record the show, didn't we? But uh, on YouTube, and now we don't. So you're going to have to go and look at it. it. Yeah. It looks like a really slow march. I think like yeah. puppets walking. It's and like it's like my favorite walk, saying at the moment: if you can dodge a wrench, you can dodge a ball. If you can A March really, really well. So that's very slow-mo running. When you come yeah. to running fast, you'll have all the correct patterns done. Perfect. One thing I see a lot of at our track sessions is people looking at the floor, looking at the people's feet in front of them, which just is, if you break your head like that or break from the top, then everything down your chain is just going to be destroyed. So keep your eyes forward, head straight. Also good advice. And then I never need to go below the neck because people are so... <laughs> 
I don't have time. I have to fix from the head up. And then yeah. So it's as far as I get every week. It'll fall. It'll sink in eventually. Soon. Soon. Right. Another one. It's quite topical, this one at the minute. Should I use mouth or nose breathing when I run? If you want to go fast, you need to get in as much oxygen as possible into your body. And that is why we have mouths alongside talking and eating. So we can get in a far more volume of oxygen by breathing through your mouth than you can through your nose. So if you're doing then that, and that's why it's very hard to breathe through your nose when you're running hard or cycling hard or whatever it is. So yeah, if you're running hard or you're running anything above like an aerobic uh, kind of run, then mouth breathing is absolutely fine and, and actually far more optimal. Um, where this nasal breathing has come from is uh, people saying you should be doing it at rest and how it can affect uh, everything from like mm-hmm. your sleep, uh, sleep quality to uh, well, even like metabolism and things I think is being claimed. I'm yet to see anything scientific study wise that shows that nasal breathing is, is superior to mouth breathing. Um, but I know there are quite a lot of books and podcasts and people taping their mouth out there. Yeah. Uh, and I think it comes down to like sleep, sleep apnea and things. I think it's, so yeah, yeah if you're breathing is... through your mouth and you're getting sleep apnea and you can breathe through your nose and not get it, then obviously that's going to be a good thing. But otherwise I think it's a little bit like the keto diet. I, I would use it like kind of you said, if you wanted to use it to regulate effort, if an easy run is meant to be easy and you have no other way of moderating your effort, you should be able to hold a conversation, breathe through your nose. You shouldn't be out of breath if it's an yeah. easy effort. So it's you should a great be able limiter. to. Yeah, it's a great limiter. If you're huffing and puffing through the mouth, then it's not an easy effort. That's what I would use it for. True. Yeah, that's a really good way, actually. That's a really good way. Right. Yeah. We've got one more. I would say breathing is, is amazing. Yeah. Um, and, and you can do so many breathing drills to like calm yourself down, to meditate, but I'm not sure it has to be through the nose, mm. but it helps because you're, it makes you think more. If I tell you to breathe in through your mouth, you don't really think about it. If I tell you to breathe in through your nose, like, okay, shut your mouth, breathe through your nose. You're like, oh yeah, that's such a nice bigger breath. But it's like, actually, it wasn't a bigger breath. It just took you longer to draw the air in. And so it's taking you longer of, to breathe out. Brings a sense of calm to a situation. Mm. Calmness and mind focusing because we have to think about breathing in through the nose. So you reckon if you could tune in to your mindfulness whilst breathing through your mouth, you'd get the same benefit. Yes. I'm going to try that track tomorrow. <laughs> like... <laughs> It looks weird on the it's so weird. <laughs> if anyone's at track tomorrow and wondered what the hell I was doing, this is it. Anyway, I digress. Let's go. We've got one more. <laughs> People have stopped listening anyway. Right. I have lost my running mojo. I've stopped following my training plan and I don't want to train. How can I get it back? I had a real life question like this on Instagram on Friday. Did you? What did you say? Wait for it. Ah, I've lost it. Okay, it went. Ah, here it is. Uh, hi, coach. Hope all's well. I wanted to know your opinion on listening to. Oh, no, it's a bit different. Anyway, listening to music on long runs. I feel without music, long runs become so boring. So I said, Hey, mate, if running is boring, then you're running for the wrong reasons. And he said, I wish I could see it differently. Really want to running to be an important part of my training schedule. I said, Then figure out why you want it to be running. And I think this ties in a little bit with running mojo. Yeah, running definitely. mojo is basically like, why do you want to go running? Mm. Um, and if you've lost it, then, well, I don't know. You've got to go, you've got to find out why you were running in the first place. Mm. When, when I saw this question and then specifically they said, I've stopped following my plan. I thought, I wonder, first of all, how long you've been on a plan what Mm. the plan is if the plan 
are you running solo? Are you running with a group? Is your, is your plan stimulating? Is it from the internet or is it from a coach? Um, there's loads of things going on in my head when I, when I thought about this. And if you're not excited to run, I think the fact we said, if you're not excited to run, then don't run. No. Like if you're running yourself. to burn calories to eat food that you want to eat, then there's a thousand other ways you can do that. Mm. Like that's not a reason to run. Like you should be excited to go for a run. And if you're not, then change up the, mo- like change the modality of, of what you're doing. Go for a bike ride, go for a swim, go lift weights, go for a walk. Like you don't, you're not a slave to running. Mm-hmm. Some people feel that, right? Like, oh, if I don't run, then what do I do? Um, and if you've lost your plan, then maybe you're a little bit bored and humans get bored unless we have a purpose. Like I always think, I always remember this quote, the meaning of life is a life with meaning. So you need to have meaning behind your running. Like why? Are you lacing up and going out the door? And is it to go run, to go meet a friend? And if so, perfect, because you have a reason. Is it to go run with the dog? Perfect, you're going to go run with the dog. Is it to go run because you want to eat something later? Then, okay, fair enough. Like that won't last forever, but it's still a purpose. So when you get to that point where you've lost that purpose of going for a run, then that's okay. You just don't get annoyed at yourself though. You just need to go find another purpose. I agree with that. I always think as well, we're, we're also creatures of habit. So quite a lot of people, and I look and see where they've been running. I know it's a, the people that we have are very goal oriented. So when they have a goal, they're normally very good at staying on plan and they, they're very enthusiastic, let's say about running, but they like to run in the same place. No one ever likes to venture off somewhere new. So maybe you need to get out, get somewhere new, try running with different places different people like what some of my favorite runs have not been on plan for example one that we did well yeah it was on matt's plan and we all did it except matt <laughs> <laughs> he never turned up but i had a great time and it was what 12 12k was it 12k 12k tempo mm. It was so much fun because I was running with a group of people that were faster than me, but I was able to cling on as best I could right to the end at a time I didn't think I could. So it was amazing. And I finished that run with so much running mojo, if you like. This just kept me going for weeks. Yeah. Not that I was unmotivated to run, but I'm now even more motivated. It's tricky. Mm. And you've got to be good with being fluid with your thoughts about it. Like you, you might think you have a purpose to go out the door and run and it might get to crunch time and you don't, that's mm-hmm. okay. You just, you looked at the wrong purpose. Yeah. You'll figure out what the next one is, but be willing to be willing to divert. Like you don't always have to have the answer straight away. You don't have to be bolt rigid. And sometimes being bolt rigid with your runs is, is what you need to do. And other times you go and jump in with someone else and that's okay. Yeah. I think you've always got a new place to look to, um, to keep, to keep your running on top. And like you said, it might be training for your own race. And in which case you're doing what you need to do on your coach's plan. You might need to tell your coach to relax and you're just going to jump in to help someone else with their running goals. Definitely. I remember after the, after that ad knock marathon, I lost my running mojo because I, I, yeah. I was all geared up and ready to go. And I thought it was, it almost comes back to what do you visualize when you see yourself running? And I thought I'd not really processed the idea that did my visualization of me running match up with what I was actually trying to achieve and it didn't match up. So when I thought about running, I didn't think about myself running up and down Abu Dhabi fast or trying to hit that goal pace. And so it just, I didn't, on reflection, I didn't put everything into trying to achieve that goal, which is why it didn't pan out the way it did. Um, All my thought and focus was in nature which is now where my goals are all aligned to. So mm. I'm highly motivated and I have a huge running mojo because I have that, that future goal in sight, which is now in line with what my training is, if you like, pushing towards now. So whilst most of my training volume isn't out in the trails, just because I don't have the time to get out there every day, it's aligned towards that in the big picture. So I'm very motivated. I just thought of a way you could run on the streets and still be in nature. 
really curious to see where this is gonna go <laughs> we could paint you some like get you some sunglasses and paint into them like trees and bugs <laughs> and then you're always running in nature but you'll be running on the road then you have best of both worlds nature glasses sponsoring the podcast soon <laughs> i wonder do they do vr headsets for treadmills i've been so people have been sending me uh, like VR fails on Instagram lately. They're so funny. So I think it would be a disaster to be running with VR uh, goggles on. Yeah. Unless somehow your VR goggles would show you where your feet were, but there's a lot of variables going in there. So you don't trip up and then catch yourself on the wire. Mm. I think, mate, we've run in places far better than any virtual reality can ever give us. It's true. And it's been reality. You just have to go find it. Definitely. If I get one more message, where were you at the weekend? Mm. Don't explore people, please. 19, go look at your Strava. Go to Wikilock. <laughs> this is it. Some people, no, nobody's heard of Wikilock. They don't know what it is. It's the best. It's two things you got to Google. A March and Wikilock. That's it. Memory. Right, guys. Talking of memory. Remember to go check out precisionhydrationandfueling.com. We, we make this up as we go along. This is fantastic. We do, mate. We do. <laughs> and you can also check out the Hoka running range at hoka.com and you can head to Runners in Dubai Mall if you are here in Dubai and go try a set on, run on their treadmill, see how you feel, get a wide foot, avoid blisters. Perfection. Uh, what else is happening? Rack this weekend. If you're there, mm-hmm. come and say hello. We will say hello back to you and you might even get in Rob Jones' GoPro reel. Yeah, I'll be on a mountain bike cycling around the course. If you see me and want in the reel, shout, Rob Jones, I want in the reel. I just can't wait to hear people shouting that. You want in the what? Anyway, (laughs) he's lost it. He's completely lost it. If you want to book into Shane Benz's running seminar, please email endurance at innerfight.com and we can tell you how. It'd be a good one. And... For everything else, just email that as well. Rob Jones yeah. Endurance on Instagram, Tom Walker Fitness on Instagram. Go check out Rob's bulletproof ankle routine for trails. Mm-hmm. It's a good one. Uh, don't forget to go buy the book, How to Fix Your Feet, if you are suffering with those blisters, but I think everyone should have that book anyway. And if you've got questions for a future question show, just get in touch, endurance at innerfight.com, Rob Jones Endurance on Instagram, Tom Walker Fitness on Instagram, rj at innerfight.com for his email, tw at innerfight.com for my email. That's everything today. Boom.